Hello again. Welcome to learning the Learning 360 podcast for this month. I am your host, Lucia Palazzi, and I am here today to talk with uh, student nutrition. The student nutrition department in Galena Park ISD. Uh, a lot of times, student nutrition, um, it's a huge department, but it goes unnoticed. It goes taken, you know, people take it for granted that every morning there's going to be breakfast there. Every afternoon there's going to be lunch. Uh, and the ladies in the back just work very hard and diligently and serve um, all of the students and staff. Uh, so today I really wanted to dive into the different aspects of the student nutrition department. And so with me today is Maggie Kennedy, and I have uh, Amy Grant here as well. Welcome. Thank you. Um, Amy, if you can start off by just telling us a little bit about your, your background and your position here. Um, well, I uh, started in late June. I think our first official day was July 1st. And my title is the Assistant Director of Menu Planning and Production. Um, I came from Lano ISD, which is in a very small town in the central Texas area. And if I say Fredericksburg, everyone knows where that is. Yes. Um, but there um, we probably had just under 2,000 students enrolled, and I was the food service director there for five years. And um, just honestly did every part of the program when you're in a small place um, you have the opportunity to uh, be a one-man show where you run the office take care of personnel take care of ordering take care of menu planning um, so i feel like i got a really good uh, understanding of the program something really interesting about me beyond just being in school food service um, I graduated from the University of Texas. I'm a registered dietitian. I started in school food service way back in 1995 um, in Pasadena ISD mm. and ended up in Fort Bend and then I had triplets and we moved to the hill country by my mom and uh, I actually became a teacher for about six years. So I kind of think all of that gives me a very interesting spin coming back to the Houston area uh, to help my kids head off to um, U of H and let them live at home. And so having had these different experiences, I think uh, pans out to a neat opportunity for me to be here in Galena Park. Well, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Maggie, can you tell us a little bit about <laughs> yourself? Absolutely. Um, so my background in student nutrition is with Houston ISD. I was there for seven years. Before that, I have an operational background. So I actually come from bars and restaurants um, and just kind of fell into K through 12 and then fell in love with K through 12. Um, Houston has 284 campuses, roughly. 284. Yeah. <laughs> so um, when Amy was saying they had about 2,000 kids roughly enrolled, um, we would serve that for lunch at one of our campuses, probably right. at, wow. you know, at some of the campuses. So, um, which I'm sure we'll address later, but I think it really helps Amy and I, um, coming from small, small district versus big district, cause it helps us see all sides. Um, but I was an operations manager in Houston, then went to a professional development role for training and, um, came back to K through 12 here at Galena Park. Cause that's really where my heart is. So I'm the assistant director of operations and personnel for student nutrition. And a quick story about how we got there is 
Um, when Amy and I were interviewing, they only had one position posted. They had an, a, an assistant director position posted and they had a hard time. They got down to two candidates, which are right here in front of you now, and they couldn't decide which one because we had, we complemented each other and our strengths so much that they were able to realign. And um, Brian, the director was, um, was on board with making two assistant director positions Yay. so that we could really be well-rounded. That's so wonderful. That's so you didn't know each other before no, this. We did not. But you complimented each other so well in individual interviews. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Yeah, and then they rewrote it to you know what they felt Amy's strengths were and that's how she got her title and then what my strengths were, which is how I got mine. Okay, way to go. So what is the primary goal of student nutrition and how do you go about achieving that goal every day here in Galena Park ISD? I guess. Maggie, let's All start right. with you. All right, so um, our primary goal is to feed as many people in our community as possible, as many times as possible in a day. Um, we are a federally, um, federally funded program, meaning that we have a contract with TDA and USDA. And What is TDA? Texas Department of Agriculture. Okay. That is who pays our paychecks. Tech I mean, Galena Park pays our paychecks, but that's, um, they reimburse us a certain amount of money for every meal that we serve because we are in a contract with them on what they, so you'll hear a term reimbursable meal. TDA and USDA has come up with guidelines on what they consider to be a reimbursable meal. So for every reimbursable meal we serve, we get a certain amount back per student. That's how we're funded. Um, and so they have several programs. They've got, you know, obviously what people are most familiar with is the National School Breakfast and National School Lunch Program. Um, there's also FFEP, which is a fresh fruit and vegetable program that served during the day in between meal services to introduce kids to fruits and vegetables they may have never heard of mm -hmm. or seen um, at home. They also have a snack program that we can give them um, a snack after school and something that we'll talk a little bit more about. A From now it's the CHCFP at risk feeding program and that's where we can offer supper. So there's potential, there's potentially you can serve four to five meals a day to each student. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Amy? Um, I absolutely believe that our goal here in student nutrition is to feed every kid as many meals as we can. Um, Maggie brought in community. Um, that is the adult supper program mm -hmm. that we could have that we're looking at, um, child and adult care feeding program. Um, it's just more, ch I mean, it's. It, I guess what I'd say that is kind of interesting is Lunch is built into the day because principals plan the periods. And so that lends itself very well to students having access. Um, but breakfast is very different. And I really give uh, Galena Park a high five for the breakfast in the program initiative that they started uh, last year. Um, I think this is, we're in our second year. This is the second year of, I think, I don't know if they Second really, full year. Second full year. Um, I think the goal this year with that opportunity is to come up with different, uh, I guess, strategies that meet the principal's needs. Um, Maggie said it once before, not one size fits every campus. And so we are actually looking at, um, we actually bought three breakfast carts for our elementary at North Shore Elementary. Cloverleaf. 
Well, Cloverleaf, but North Shore Elementary really wants them. Okay. Very much so. So um, we may roll it out there. Um, what that does is it gives an opportunity for a principal uh, who maybe had some teachers who felt like in the classroom wasn't really easy for them to, I guess, administer. And we could put these cards out in the hallway. And that way our staff can have kids walk by, um, build a bag, and type in their ID number and head off to the classroom with that. And, and this is breakfast. That would be breakfast. Oh, um, just trying to come up with, breakfast isn't built into the day. Right. So we, we've got our principals who are doing an amazing job incorporating that, but we find that after, I guess, a, a, in the second year that there's some dynamics that make it maybe feasible to do it a little differently. And coming from Lano, that is something that we did, and so we are going to pilot it for sure, whether mm -hmm. it's Cloverleaf or North yeah. Shore Elementary, and then if it's successful, roll that option out to as many uh, campuses that feel like that would be a success. Um, there is an example of that at the middle school level, and the second, I think the high school has some um, mobile carts. So um, I just think that concept would be well paired with some of our principals at the elementaries to alleviate maybe if they're having some issues with the way we're currently putting it in an individual uh, cooler and rolling it inside the classroom where the teacher actually uh, passes out every uh, component to the kid and checks them off to try to uh, remove that extra work from them and maybe us facilitate it in the hallway. But that's one way that we'd like to reach more. And I guess the other one would be exploring the child and adult care feeding program, uh, which uh, we're hoping to have in a couple of our campuses by October. Mm -hmm. I think we have about six signed up. Mm -hmm. And so what is that? The child and adult care feeding program is I guess, for lack of a better way of putting it, um, it can be a full-fledged supper. So you could have it look just like lunch and it's for the enrichment activities that are happening at the campus already. And instead of just doing, uh, some people may be familiar with the after-school snack program, uh, which has probably been in quite a few of our campuses. Uh, this elevates it to an actual dinner or supper. Um, the way we're gonna approach it is to give uh, it a little bit of mobility where it would be like a mega supper, we'd call it mega snack, mega snack um, where it would be like a, a sandwich, you know, a fruit, a vegetable, and a milk. Um, but also pair that some days with a hot, which would be like a either we do like a hot pocket or a, a stuffed pizza um, calzone or a uh, taco snack. So two days a week make it hot, and then the other three days a week make it more like a cold item. Um, but we feel like that will send our kids home with a lot more um, filling meal mm -hmm. in a setting that they're already in rather than just doing only, I think right now the after school snack program is two components. Yeah, it's a grain and a fruit. A grain and a, a, a fruit. Mm -hmm. So this will give them a whole lot more uh, nourishment. And so that would be tied with like an after school tutorial mm -hmm. or something, right? Yeah, so to, to piggyback on Amy a little bit, a couple of things that are great about this program is that you have to be, you only have to be one to 18 to participate in it. So you don't have to be an enrolled student at Galena Park ISD in order to come and get this, this meal, right? So say I'm a single parent's coming to pick up or a married parent, any parent is coming to pick up their um, son or daughter that was in after school tutorials or after school sports or whatever reason they had an enrichment to stay at their campus. 
and they have their siblings with them, as long as they're 1 to 18, they all get to sit there and eat supper, quote-unquote, um, at no charge. Um, the only charge would be as if the, if the parent wanted to eat, and that would be our adult prices, which is three eighty-five. dollars um, So it really opens it up to the community aspect. That's wonderful. Um, and it makes it really affordable. Also, um, it's like we said earlier, it's not a one-size-fits-all, so it's going to look a little bit different at every campus. Um, you know, think about our high school football players. Think about our, you know, middle school basketball players. Think about these athletics where these kids are hungry. Mm -hmm. They eat all the time. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. a mom. Amy has three teenage boys. Um, and they're, the kids are always wanting to eat. And so this this can be served as soon as the school bell rings. And so now they're headed into their practice with a full stomach instead of, you know, whatever they ate at lunch, then having to go out and practice and focus and study or whatever right, it is. Right, and they're calorie deficient. And yeah, and so this really lets them work. And just like breakfast, there's so much research that shows that kids that eat a breakfast, the test scores are up, um, enrollment's up. There's just so many positives. Right. It's the same thing with every meal, period. So if they get to eat and have these nutrients before they go into it, um, it really helps set them up for success. Um, but then there might be a campus where, you know, it just doesn't work before and they don't want to start serving until 4.30, then meal service will be at 4.30 at that campus. We really try to make it flexible and work with the individual campuses in order to reach. We're willing to bend, you know, our operation within, you know, still being in compliance in order to make it accessible. At right, and campus. one of the things is we'd love to do it in the cafeteria. You know, our serving line is, of course, already there. Mm -hmm. and we have So our, where is it taking place now? The after-school snacks is probably being, I think, carted to the individual activity rooms. That yeah, it's, it's, okay. it's different. It's Again, it's different, different at every campus. Um, currently, um, I'll speak to Cobb. Cobb has had the program, a similar program um, that has been provided by an outside vendor. And so by us coming in and administering the program ourselves, that reimbursement is coming back into our district, which means more money for better menu items, more opportunity for our staff to get extra hours and work a little bit longer. So there has been similar programs at some campuses. Um, Right now at Cobb, the way it happened in the past is the vendor would drop the food off with one of the coordinators and then that coordinator had to deliver it to each classroom. Um, so we mm -hmm. are working with Cobb right now to figure out what classes do need to be delivered in the classroom because they don't have the time to go through the line. They need to get their tutorial started right, right away. And we also have the line open because there is a waiting period where, you know, choir this is just examples. Choir doesn't start till 4.30, but they get out at 4.15. So what do they do for those 15 minutes? They're they going to be go going through the, through the line. line. They're going to be going through the line and getting a supper meal. So again, it's, you know, we, could, we couldn't answer what it, exactly it looks like now at each campus because it's probably going to be different. So when is one. this supper meal program going to be un... Revealed? Revealed. <laughs> <laughs> um, our goal is an official start date of October 7th. Um, we're waiting on some, we're waiting on an application to come through. Um, and as soon as that's done, then um, with my training background, I'll make sure that everybody's trained properly. And then we, our goal is to be available on October 7th. Mm -hmm. So once the principals kind of see and start to learn, you know, again, I wanted it at all the campuses, um, but I think we have about six on board right now. And, you know, what I'm hearing is that from the breakfast standpoint and from the supper standpoint, you know, 
these rolling carts could mm -hmm. possibly work for that too. It's ease and convenience. So when the kids are, you know, whether they're going into the choir room yeah. or running out to yes. the football field or sitting there, you know, with tutorials trying to solve math equations, they want to be eating. You know, we have a lot of intake learners. Yeah. But it's having it delivered to them. So yes. I think that that's accessibility. Is yeah. We'll bring it to them instead of them having to come to us. Okay, let's switch gears a little bit. I heard that there's a new payment system and a new website for parents uh, for the nutrition department. Uh, Amy, can you talk to me about this a little bit? Well, yes, we're so excited about that uh, new system. It, uh, it kicked off on the first day of school. Um, the software is actually for us, it's called Primero Edge. And um, that's the point of sale, which is our register system that our students access every day uh, to uh, get their meal uh, through the line and also keep their money on their account if they want to buy extra a la carte items. Um, the parent interface or student interface, and I really want to express that point uh, to everyone if they're not aware, School Cafe is the app or the website, and I'd like to refer to that really as an app since we live in the world with mobile phones, um, our students actually may not even be aware that they can download School Cafe as an app for free and see what's on the menu, as well as see what their lunch balance is. If they want to go through and buy a snack, they could actually log in to the, or you know click on their app, School Cafe, and actually see if they've got funds available for extra items, which I think is super cool for high school kids because one of my kids always said, I'm afraid to go through the line. I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, your mom works for school food service. I mean, <laughs> oh, well, you know, I don't know if I have money, you know, and that's a big deal to kids. Right. Even if we are offering our students um, a, char a meal at no charge, um, they may be buying at high school, you know, a Gatorade or, you know, a couple right. of extra entrees. And, and they don't want to go up to that cashier and have that, you know, deer in the headlights, like, oh my gosh. And it's denied. You know? and, and It's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, that actually can happen one time and a kid really not want to go through our lines. So we don't want that to happen. So I do want to encourage uh, parents or uh, administrators, if they're listening, uh, or teachers to have their kids download School Cafe as an app so they can actually have access to our menu and their balance. Um, parents, um, they have School Cafe as a parent and they can monitor what their kids are purchasing, which is really cool because they might wonder where all that money went so quickly if they're a big high school kid and they're spending up their money. Um, also, they can, we have one campus, I, all of our campus, and that's kind of, kind of a thought here. It's, it's, you know, our point of service allows us to claim a meal, which is what Maggie said, allows us to get paid from the Texas Department of Agriculture. Um, we're, we are a community eligibility program district, which means that our students all get one breakfast and one lunch meal at no charge. Um, this point of sale system allows us to monitor that um, as well as monitor their extra cash they may have for purchasing extra items. So, so if, did I hear you right? You said all students in our district get meals at no charge or correct. offered that? Correct. For breakfast and lunch? Breakfast and lunch. They don't have to fill out a form or anything? No. No, they don't. There is a survey that is requested to be filled out, and that's mainly for PEANS information. Okay. Um, for the principals that are listening, they'll understand that. Um, but yeah, so community eligibility provisions is what CEP stands for. 
and um, direct certification. It basically comes from that. So we cluster our we cluster the schools, and once they hit a certain percentage of direct certifications, then they qualify for the community eligibility provisions. Meaning that it doesn't matter what the um, what the home finances look like. Everybody at that campus is free of charge. We do have one campus. Um, in the district that doesn't feed into the cluster and qualify, but um, the student nutrition department is still offering those meals at no charge and just eating the costs so that it can be a district-wide thing and everybody's treated equally. A great part about CEP is that it kind of, there's a stigma with free lunch um, or, you know, that's the free lunch line. If you go to that line, then, you know, you must not have enough money to, to pay for lunch, but you can't go to the snack bar. Um, you know, that's the stigma, but whenever it's CEP, everything, every reimbursable meal is free, whether it's served at the snack bar line, the fast food line, the home, you know, traditional line, no matter what it is. And so it, it encourages kids to eat more that are worried about the kind of the social aspect mm -hmm. of, oh, oh no, if I eat in this line, then they're going to know that, you know, that my family isn't as privileged as the next. Right. It's an embarrassment factor that they have eliminated. Yeah, and it's a huge deal, you know, it's a huge deal, especially at this age. I remember middle school, high school. I mean, I wouldn't go back to save my life, you know, let alone add the pressure of yeah. them being categorized based off of their parents' financial right. status. Um, you know, and, and you know, you hear the horror stories about districts that have like taken away trays from kids or given them a, yes. a yeah. cheese sandwich and juice instead of a meal, you know, we don't do that here at Galena Park. And, you know, it's a it's a privilege and an honor to be able to do that. Um, I really like the way Amy speaks to it. Um, you know, she went with our in-service staff and kind of really honed in and reminded our staff about what it, what it means to be able to offer this um, because not all districts do get to offer it. Um, and I was going to ask Maggie, was HISD when you left all community eligibility? It was. HISD was all community eligibility. Um, it had been all for two years, um, but we've been doing the program for about five years where they just had select clusters that would qualify and then we were able to go to Universal. So, and I think the reason why this is really kind of hits home and I'm so proud to be in a, I mean, I'm proud to be in a district that has the privilege to allow their students this opportunity because it's when you sit back and you think really when you listen to the newscast saying that a, a, a mean lunch lady took away a kid's meal and I don't think any of our ladies would ever say that was anything they ever our ever, gentlemen, our gentlemen would <laughs> ever ever want to do and um, unfortunately um, because of um, the way schools aren't funded a hundred percent um, or even 85%, and I'll speak to that in Lano, um, I think that we are in that mid-range of like only 65% of our kids are like what uh, Maggie said, direct certified. Direct certified. So um, we struggled because we knew we needed to offer our kids, a we wanted to offer them at no charge a meal because we didn't want to take away the meal especially K through five. So we took a leap of faith in Lano and um, funded, I we only received 91% back on all of our meals and we funded 9% out of our department's profits 
uh, to pay for those meals because it meant so much to us. And we did that for a year and we were very successful because of, and I want to stress this, is this what, what makes Galena Park successful is getting every kid to participate to eat both meals, breakfast and lunch. Um, without breakfast, we can't really keep thriving the way we do. So not only do we need our kids to be nourished, but we need them to eat so that we get our funding to support the staff and all of the expenses with labor. Um, but I'm so excited. I left this school year with um, kind of a little struggle because I love Lana, but my kids are gonna go off to U of H. And so I was excited to come here and be in Galena Park where we have all CEP. But my middle school in Lano, I put them on program because we knew there was a need there as well, and of course high school. Um, but in order to do that, we dropped our percentage to 85%. And so my district just called the other day and they're so excited because they've increased their breakfast and um, they, they had a good August. So they feel like they can be successful. But um, you know, never to lose sight of what a privilege it is because not all districts get to do this because they do not have enough of the direct certified kids identified in order to uh, take away that lunch stigma or the um, terrible experience of having to ever ask a kid to get their tray and give them an alternate meal. Honestly, we've always fed kids. It just always sometimes wasn't necessarily the hot lunch they wanted, but I deserved. I deserved, yeah. yeah. So, but anyways, um, I just think that it's important to remember that it's it's not common in every district. I don't even know how many around Houston do CEP, but I wouldn't say even our neighbor in Pasadena may not offer. I don't know. I'm not sure. Mm -mm. So, when we're talking about you know the monthly menu, when we're talking about the food. What goes into the process for planning these monthly menus, you know, when it comes to ordering the food and how do you forecast um, for, for ordering? Um, you know, talk to me about any new menu items that um, could possibly be coming up, you know, menu innovation, Does, who taste tests? I always want to know that too. And can I get in on that? <laughs> and then the, the aspect of um, food presentation, because that is also something that's very powerful, but goes, I don't want to say unnoticed, because it's, it is noticed, but the whole process behind it and the thought process might not be known. It's only noticed when the food presentation is good. <laughs> that's true. Really bad. Really really bad. bad. Um, I'm going to let Amy answer that question. That's right up her alley. Well, I want to definitely um, give you some numbers because I think it's mind-blowing. Um, in the month of September, um, we have served about 159,000 breakfasts in the month of September. Um, and we do about, let's see, 194,000, which is pretty good uh, comparison um, in numbers. Um, and that's just a lot of food. That's 14,000. Uh, breakfast every morning and wow. 17,000 lunch every day. Wow. That's a lot of uh, menu items going out into hungry, yes. hungry kids here. Um, one of the things that is challenging, I think, is to try, like what you said, is find what's popular that the kids are going to get excited about. Um, but then you always have your traditionals that you have to offer, like pizza. Who could 
you know, I, I find it funny. People actually have talked to me and say, I just remember the chicken rings. Do you, did y'all ever do chicken rings? This is no, crazy. I don't think I've even heard of a chicken and, ring. But, you know, we have big impacts. So I'll talk to grown adults and they'll go, oh my gosh, because um, I was a teacher. And they say, I just remember these crazy chicken rings and we put them on our finger and we just ate all the way around because it was like, I don't know, it's like, a, put it on your finger and it's a whole. I'm like, wow, we had an impact there. I don't like a know chicken was, donut. Yeah, like a chicken donut. Um, but there are some fun items on the menu this year that we tried. I think it's gone through maybe once because it was on Monday. Um, and I think we've really only had maybe... Oh. In a three weeks is chicken and waffles. Um, we're not doing chicken rings, Ooh, I just got but we're excited doing chicken and that. waffles. Um, and I heard it was really, really popular. Mm -hmm. So um, excited about that. Um, trying to think if there's anything else. What about there. barbacoa breakfast tacos? Yes, um, we have that at our high school. We do. You had that at the middle school when I was at a middle school. Did they have it there too? Yes. yes. And it was fantastic. We do have street taco on our menu, and we kind of menued that strategically because it changes, because it gives us the opportunity to do chicken fajita or you know pulled pork or you know carnitas. Mm. Um, those are kind of fun. Um, so I know kids like tacos. Tacos are pretty popular. Everybody and, likes tacos. Yeah, everyone kind of <laughs> tacos. Another thing Amy's done that she didn't mention probably because she's pretty modest about stuff, but she brought what she calls a munchable. So everybody's familiar with what a Lunchable is. Well, Amy's created her version of that, and we call it a Munchable. And it can sit, you know, it it, it changes in what's in the Munchable um, sometimes. But you know, it would be like a string cheese and a muffin top, and the kids would take a fruit and a yogurt. You know, so it has all those components that we talk about for a reimbursable meal. But if the kids don't like what the two um, hot options are for lunch that day, they can just pick up this munchable and grab a fruit and they're a fruit or vegetable and they're on their way. And that's been extremely, oh, extremely wow. successful. So it's like a little kit mm -hmm. and it has just yeah, an assortment of things. Absolutely. Okay. And we'll change that. It'll probably be string cheese and uh, sunflower seeds and like a goldfish uh, package. But you know, kids think very differently than we do as adults. I mean, we all want like a hot meal, but um, some of our kids are really looking for fast and convenient, something they can take. Um, so I, I, I'm i real excited that it's been popular. Mm -hmm. Our managers have said that those numbers are going up on that. Um, another thing we did is try, Maggie and I worked really hard uh, to send out a menu at the beginning of the school year um, that would be a one-time uh, really nice cardstock uh, menu that uh, was simple to read uh, that focused only on the entrees. Um, so many times when you get a menu, it has so much clutter on it, and we wanted it to be easy for them to see what is the entree, and then over on the right side, it has the calendar, which shows what color we're on. So trying to simplify that, um, I think School Cafe, again, the app for our older kids so that they can monitor that themselves is, is something that is their go-to, but I think our elementary campuses, uh, where we sent those out, that's a nice thing that they're you know, their parent might put on their refrigerator or um, have somewhere accessible to them, hopefully. So Amy created a three-week menu cycle. So every Monday, there's going to be a Munchable and, for example, mini corn dogs. And then there's going to be an item that rotates mm -hmm. on the three-week cycle. So every Monday, there's like the mini corn dogs and the Munchable. Every Tuesday, there might be nachos and the Munchable and then an additional item that rotates weekly. So being on the three-week cycle, 
allows opportunity to introduce new items without compromising the kids not eating with us that day because Amy's menued the favorites, like the right. pizza And the cheeseburger. And, the, and yes. the those cheeseburger. are Wednesdays. Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. That's exactly right. I was told yeah. not to mess with Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, that's so we right. had it Friday pizza, and I know yeah. uh, Thursday's nuggets, basically, yeah. and mini corn dog on Monday, and then our cheesy nachos on Tuesday. So once they memorize that one week, they've got it because it's just going to repeat again. And then, of course, always having that cold lunchable option, and then the rotating other um, entree every three weeks. So... I mean, kids are, you know, they're like us. I mean, that once they know that it's Friday, they're, you know, I, they don't really need to sometimes know anything else. They're just going to go for that pizza because they know it's Friday and they can go to them. Yeah. Right. as far as the forecasting and planning for mm-hmm. that, you know, that's something that, you know, we are, what's the word for it? Um, you know, you, you for, just like the weatherman forecast, right? He does research. He guesses what the weather is going to look like. He's the only man like, who right? gets paid well for being yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, there's a chance that he could be off a little yes. bit, right? Right. Like maybe the rain is over Galena Park instead of Baytown or whatever the case may be. Same thing with our ladies when it comes to their planning. We tell them to forecast. Um, they know what their pop, they know how many students on average they feed a day. They know what items are the most popular items. They know what items are going to be new or maybe a little bit questionable, you know, that we're trying to introduce and and blend in. And so they, you know, they go to their previous numbers that they served the weeks before. They go and look at what things were paired with and they do a forecast on what they think the kids will take. So they are, they're asked to predict. Yes. Based yeah. on past, past numbers. Yeah. So because mm-hmm. we have to order, they have to order two weeks out. So oh. you're guessing two weeks out what the kids are going to, and to be honest, if the weather, you know, right now in the fall, one day it might be really cold and the next day it might be warm. When it's a cold day, there's a better chance that the kiddos taking, you know, grilled cheese and tomato soup right. versus a bunch of wool. But if it's that was hot my, outside, my other favorite. Yeah. But if yes. it's hot outside, then they might, you know, and so that it's exactly that. It's a forecast. And you know, with a new menu that Amy's developed, it's going to take a little bit of adjusting for them to learn these items. But since it is a three-week cycle, they have they have time, and eventually, um, hopefully by October-ish, they should have they should be pretty Some good. Binge yeah, it, they should be um, pretty good at, at guesstimating. Um, and and you know, Amy and I, you know, our ladies are so great out there. I will say ladies because we have. All of our managers are females. We do have multiple um, men that work in the kitchen as well. Um, but when I talk about our managers, you know, they're wonderful and they, you know, they're they're really embracing this change yes. impressively well. Um, but you know, they'll be accurate. Their goal is to be accurate within ten to fifteen meals. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Yeah, mm-hmm. that's how. Great I mean, they that's are. wow. Yeah, ten yeah. to fifteen meals to where. That way we're not overproducing and wasting or having to carry something over to the next day because we all know presentation and quality, you know, suffers after it's been cooked. Now, sometimes you can serve it the next day and it's great. If it's a whole apple, no big deal, right? But when we get into these hot items and these entrees and things that need to be cooked. But that's how great, you know, our field staff is, is that, you know, eventually they're going to get to the point where they can be that accurate. And then taste testing. (laughs) <laughs> now, do you have kids come in, and how do you pick the kids? Do you have teachers? Um, October 2nd, isn't that next week? Yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah, October 2nd, we have a food show that we're taking 20 kids to. Yes, and um, I, my understanding is they have done this in the past, mm-hmm. but one of our goals, I, I, we actually have to really start thinking about 
believe it or not, next year's meant, you know, it's crazy because it feels like we just got this one and Maggie's saying we're finally figuring out kind of where we stand with what's popular and, and but really if we're going to have a good, well forecasted plan for next year, we start now with new menu items. So I would encourage anyone listening, if they have some creative dishes, we'd love to test them. And that's what's fun to do after you go to a food show is find out what the kids liked, survey them, get their info, and then do a couple of campuses where we go and do a little bit larger pilot. And so we have to start doing that easily, I'd say, no later than December, we'd like to have some new menu items for next school year, which sounds crazy because um, the way the government works, and this is a kind of a whole side story of commodities, which is government cheese and chicken and beef, we get the opportunity to process that with um, Tyson or Schwann's. Um, purchase it. Purchase it through them but we have to know ahead of time what are the menu items that we'd like them to make for us. So that's, um, they unfortunately don't just give us cash, they give it to us in barrels of cheese. <laughs> oh. So yeah, we get so much allotment and then we have to figure out how we're going to divvy that up amongst all the products that we might have that we process with cheese in it. To wow. add to that, you know, when Amy was talking about recipes and ideas as, um, you know, like I discussed earlier, we're in a contract with TDA, right, on what they consider a reimbursable meal is. Um, some challenges with that is there are heavy restrictions on what we are and are not allowed to serve. So we can't, you know, sodium's a big one. Yes. Um, so flavor, so stuff that it's like, oh man, this is great, you know. I mean, I remember chicken fried steak day at school mm -hmm. when I was a kid and they had chicken fried steak and the brown gravy and the mashed potatoes and like they fried that chicken fried steak in the mm -hmm. deep fryer. Um, we can't do that now. We're under strict regulations and not only that, but Amy has to go as far as calculating how many, um, how many red orange vegetables we menu weekly, how many green vegetables, mm -hmm. how many wow. legumes, how many starches, yeah. how many calories we offer. I mean, she, it, she literally has to analyze um, each individual. So whenever, you know, people have these questions like, well, why don't y'all just add this? The kids love this. Well, because, you know, we've already served to start. We already served French fries mm -hmm. today, this week. So now we can't turn around and add mashed potatoes because they're both a starch, as an example. So um, it's really about being creative and um and thinking outside of the box when it comes to um, recipes and flavors. And we have to count on good quality flavored food because there's not, we don't always have the option to add salt, to add salt wow. which is what, you know, butter. most people, yeah, add salt or add butter or put it in the fryer, you know. Um, a a long-term goal for, for me personally is, is to hire a chef that is familiar with K through 12 food. Um, and that they're out there. There's not very many because I, I can't imagine it'd be a very glamorous chef job and there are a lot of glamorous chef jobs. But, you know, there's chefs out there that specialize in developing menu items that are in compliance with these regulations that we have to follow. Right. Um, I didn't realize there were all these regulations. Oh, I didn't realize yeah. that at all. Not only that, but the reimbursable meal, it means that the kids have to take a certain amount of things. So, you know, when you see a cashier telling a kid to go back and get one more thing, or you need a fruit or a vegetable on your tray, or it's because there has to be a certain amount of each items on the tray for it to be reimbursable. And 
when we have hamburgers, oh. when we put lettuce and pickles on the line, those are both vegetables, right? But right. that it's not enough to count as the vegetable serving. So we still have to say, go back and get a fruit or vegetable. And so it can, it's a very complicated, um, it is. it's a very complicated process that I think is developing and, and, you know, we're doing, we have a lot of experience with the team between Amy, um, in her years, our director, Brian Aubin, he's got 20 plus years in, in K through 12. Um, I'm on my eighth year. So, but it takes a team to really kind of develop and, and, and so it's not always, you know, we can't add wings on the meal on the menu every day. And, you know, the stuff that would be easy because of the, the regulations. Wow. Yeah. I, I just didn't know that. Thank you. And most people will, don't. And I, and I will plug the School Cafe app because it is tied into. <laughs> and you like that app. I love that app. <laughs> um, it's tied into our software where I do the recipes. And so you actually get a wonderful little icon that shows you exactly how many calories are yeah, in the that. Nutrients. The nutrients are listed on the School Cafe app that oh, you download. Really? And mm -hmm. especially for our students who have special diets. Um, and I know that was one of our, um, kind of our thoughts is, is, um, you know, trying to make school cafe something everybody uses and not just for our kids with allergens or our kids who have uh, special diet accommodations. School cafe is kind of a one place location for, uh, kids to find out whether they have some kind of dietary needs or, you know, they just want to know what's on the menu that day, or they just are watching their their calories, um, it can't get any more accurate. We're putting in all the information off of the label. Uh, it's loaded in there. Our recipes, all the ingredients add up so that you get a nice formula that tells you exactly how much sodium, how much sugar is in it, carbs, all of that. So it's very accessible. Um, much more so than it was when we were in school yes. or even maybe five years ago. Um, oh, without the, a doubt. The innovations in our technology are huge, the differences of, of what we experience on the back end and on the customer side. So allergies, you mentioned uh, food allergens a minute ago. In serving all of these people, how do you approach the food allergies? At, well, at the beginning of the school year, I met with our uh, nurses and uh, we I was had the opportunity to go to their training. And um, I do want to, if you're not aware, uh, let you know where our, uh, it's called our medical disability slash allergen form is located on our uh, student nutrition homepage. When you click on it at the bottom, there's a link that will give you the PDF of an actual uh, form that you need to uh, fill out the top part, your student's name, ID number, uh, grade. And then at the bottom is where your physician uh, has to fill out if they have a medical disability, if they do what it is, and or allergen and as extreme as, you know, one that has anaphylactic shock. Um, that information goes through the nurse to, and then it comes to through to me and I then put that on our point of sale. Our register system allows us to put alerts on there so that a, a child who comes through the line, if they cannot have peanuts, can't have fish, um, our cashiers are going to be made aware of that. To that. Wow. And of course, I email the manager and the nurse and I let them know that the accommodations have been uh, put in place for that student, whether it is just a simply remove that item. One thing I do want to make sure everyone is aware is from T Texas Department of Agriculture, TDA, um, requires us to have the medical uh, disability slash allergen form filled out every year. 
um, because if they're standing there and they're wondering why this child cannot have milk and we have a cashier say, I'm sorry, sweetie, you can't have that milk and she removes it, um, that form allows us to uh, remove an item because we're not allowed to uh, tell kids they can't eat certain things. Yeah, we have we serve an offer versus serve program. So we have the option of doing straight serve, um, meaning the kids have to take one of everything that we offer or you can do offer versus serve, meaning they get to choose what components they take mm -hmm. as long as they take a certain amount. Um, and we, we do the offer versus serve route for multiple reasons cuts down on waste, allow kids more options, there's more flexibility. Um, but like Amy was saying, that that form has to be filled out yearly. So it's not one where, oh, you know my kid's allergic to milk. I, mm -hmm. This kid's been going here for three years and you know they're allergic to milk. Yeah, we do, but the contract that we're in makes us have it renewed every single year, just like the pain's information has to be right. put in every single year. And, um, it's the same thing. So, you know, it's a good point Amy brought up because it, there's a lot of confusion and mm -hmm. sometimes frustration yes. at the campus and parent level. Um, but it's part of the legal process in order to make sure that we're in full compliance with, you know, di diet change, mm -hmm. you know, right. allergies change. That's true. Um, sometimes they go away, sometimes they develop. And, you know, it's it, that's a physician's, that's a physician's position to, to, to diagnose, to diagnose, not, not, not Amy, who's, you know, a dietitian, but she's not a doctor. No, right. I'm not yeah. And their medical team. So we'd follow strictly what the doctor's prescription is that he writes out. So, okay. So besides the food and the planning, what other services does student nutrition offer? Oh, Lord. <laughs> um, well, we have the Lone Star Grill at the administration building that serves, um, really the public can come. Um, it's geared for a perk for our staff at the admin so they don't have to leave and go grab lunch. Um, our retirees yes. from Galena Park. Um, there is a nice gentleman that is in a mailman uniform that I see eating every single day there with us. Um, and it's a great price. Yes. Um, these ladies and the ladies in the kitchen, they, you know, these are, we don't have the regulations with these, no. with, the, with this menu that we do when we're feeding the kids. So these are home cooked meals from scratch daily i mean they you know they don't you know they make use flour and cocoa to make the brownies and so their um, skin cookies are amazing. yeah <laughs> thank you sonia yeah. these are so good yeah <laughs> um and so we you know we have the we have the the grill on top of the grill we have a catering yes. um department that goes along with the grill um so we have catering options for the district for departments that want to keep you know, again, the money in-house. Um, and, and we try to, we're in the middle of working, um, Brian and I are creating, um, and actually Amy too, is giving lots of input on, you know, new menu items that are a little bit more competitive with our lunch competitors, such as like Jason Selly or Panera Bread mm -hmm. or really Chick-fil-A. Um, so the grill catering, we also oversee all the concessions mm -hmm. for every single sports game. So anytime I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. So anytime a you know a, a sausage on a stick or nachos or popcorn or soda, anything that's served at the games, the home games, um, that mm -hmm. is student nutrition. That is yep. Thursday. That is Friday. yep. That is running. That is running um, those programs. So wow. you know, and again, all of this goes towards 
the student nutrition department and being able to implement amazing programs and having, you know, more money for menu items. I'm a big proponent of having a fresh fruit and vegetable on the line every day. That's very expensive to do, um, especially with the net with 24 campuses. I mean, it costs. We spend a lot of money on produce. We do. Um, our total monthly operating costs for September on average is over a million dollars. And that's just operating costs. So whenever you think about it, you know, these extra things like catering and the grill and concessions, it really helps us put money back into the department, um, which benefits the, the kids at the end of the day. So what are some trainings that you offer for the cafeteria staff so that they you know, understand uh, the new things that are coming up, but also legal things. Yeah. Well, I think that one of the great things that's kind of a legacy that's been at Galena Park uh, for a while, because I was actually in Pasadena like 20 years ago, is I knew they had a great um, association. Galena Park ISD um, Food Service Association is actually going to host um, their very own, um, I guess, workshop mm -hmm. for the area. So other, not just our staff, our cooks, and um, I guess cashiers who want to learn about offer versus serve, we're offering this to any school district, wow. and they can come on a Saturday. I'm pretty sure it's October Yeah, there's 12th. one on the 19th and one on the 12th, I think. Yes, yes. So there are compliance trainings that have to be done annually, such as civil rights, HACCP, um, safety, we do those at a month at an in-service at the beginning of the school year, um, and then there are local associations. So there is um, a group called TASN. It's a Texas Association for School Nutrition. Um, I'll do a little plug for them. I am the area. <laughs> I am the representative for our area um, position for TASN. So I'm on the TASN board. Um, again, training is a passion of mine. But you know, when Amy refer referred to our association, Galena Park. Has under the yeah, is under the TAS, and so it, they're called local chapters. You know, different school districts have one. Um, Pasadena has one. Klein ISD has one. There's a ton. That, yeah, there's a ton that have them, and so these are all, and they do workshops just like we do. So they're, um, you know, we do the mandatory trainings, um, and with back to the contract with CDA and USDA, they require a certain amount of professional development a year. Um, that has to be logged and recorded and turned in. Um, and so they can do them through the workshops. There's a website, um, the Institute of Child Nutrition, that's based out of Ole Miss. Um, I've actually done, I went there for a week in the summer and did a training with them for a week. But those are all free online courses for our team. And so when we see something that, you know, maybe our team can work on and, you know, get a little improvement on, we can send them the link and say, hey, you know, work on this course, and they're online free courses that they can do at their own time. There's really, it's I probably what I think is, is most people may not have really realized that we have so much, per, so many professional opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people just think of us as cafeteria ladies that, you know, they just show up and heat up the yeah. food, but um, they can really get involved in a professional network mm -hmm. of other professions. Because we're a large, when you think about Galena Park ISD, and then you think of all of the neighboring school districts, I mean, we're a huge workforce. Mm -hmm. School yes. nutrition, you know, student nutrition, or, there's a bunch Every of different district calls different child nutrition, um, student nutrition. But, school. I mean, when they all get together and they realize what an impact they're having on children's lives, 
I mean, I think it's empowering because this little job that they thought they just showed up and they got the food out and put it out becomes bigger, you know, when they realize the impact across America that they are a force and they can have a positive influence or they can have a real negative one. Yeah. And I feel like our association brings out the best in them and I hope they all get involved. I'm hoping Maggie and I get more of them involved. This one of her commission yeah. and her position is to get them as many um, employees who are in school nutrition to be a part of something bigger than just I show up and this is all I do because they, they are a part of a big community yeah. that empowers our, our young people, their minds, learning, mm-hmm. nourishment. Something that Amy and Brian and I um, decided to do this year is um, when it comes to professional development is um, there's TASM, which is the Texas Association of Schools. There's also SNA, which is the School Nutrition, School Nutrition Association. That is um, countrywide. It's for all the states. Oh, it's okay. national level. Um, they hold a conference every year that has, I mean, hundreds of, of courses, professional development for people to take. Um, so while we're trying to increase participation, which is feeding all the kids, um, We've created a contest where the schools that increase the average amount plus some in participation numbers, a percentage, um, we're going to send four people to this um, conference, which is in Nashville, Tennessee, which is one of my favorite cities. But, you know, and it's not just... It moves around. Yeah. yeah. Two years ago, it was in Vegas. I'll never do that again. (laughs) This past year, it was in St. Louis. This coming year, it's in Nashville. But... We're going to be sending two managers and two employees. And we did that strategically because we don't want to just reward the managers for our, I mean, it takes, it takes the whole force to get these kids to eat with us. Think about the breakfast in the classroom we discussed. The manager's not standing next to that lady riding the cart. You know, she has to be approachable and make these kids want to eat just as much as, you know, I have to make sure our personnel and operation is running smoothly and Amy has to make sure that the menu is in compliance and, Brian has to make sure that we're filing our reimbursements the same. I mean, every single person in the department has a huge impact. And so we wanted to um, motivate them, and we're doing it with professional development in a really cool city. (laughs) That sounds wonderful. Yeah. So you were talking a little bit about your passionate, uh, Maggie, especially about having a fresh fruit and a fresh vegetable on the line every day, right? So I heard something about an October Farm Fresh initiative. Does that have something to do with that? Oh, absolutely. This is the most exciting opportunity, I think, that I would have never had in Lano. Um, we had Common Market, um, which is a, I guess, a, a she's a vendor who specializes really not far from us. Do you she's know exactly like, where? I think it's about 20 minutes from us. I think her office is like down by Hobby, but she's basically a grocer for local farmers. So she is going we to say help she, us. They. <laughs> yeah. Margo's her name at Common Marketplace, who has reached out to Galena Park, and she um, is kind of basically piloting kind of a larger district like ours mm-hmm. to uh, coordinate um, with her local growers uh, and distribute to Galena Park fruits and vegetables in the month of October, which is our fresh fruit and vegetable challenge. 
And so um, we're pretty excited. We're going to be making uh, pico de gallo, which we've started this year. Yeah. But it's going to be local onions and local jalapenos grown somewhere probably within, I don't know, 100 100 mile radius. Um, We're going to be um, offering some roasted um, sweet potatoes and roasted red potatoes. And I'm trying to pumpkin think. bread. Mm-hmm. Oh, pumpkin bread at the very end with fresh pumpkins. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's so exciting is is that we're 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 getting an opportunity to locally source um, fruits and vegetables, uh, partnering with her, who she's the vendor, so she's has the relationships and and bring in the quantity because, like we said, we feed quite a few kids. Right, um, is a challenge for her, so she's willing to uh, try to take that next leap to see if uh, they can provide what we need. So, and and she's also going to um, partner with uh, Maggie. I think Maggie and Brian got a couple of, of campuses that... Yeah, so the Farm Fresh Initiative is actually a TEA initiative to get districts to purchase from local farmers, right? Which sounds great in theory, however, Purchasing from just like small business, the small business Saturday after um, Black Friday, right? Because it's typically more expensive to purchase from small business because they don't have, you know, they have to charge more for the because they have less demand and less resources. So this is a way TDA is encouraging districts to purchase from local farmers. So Margot over at the Common Market is kind of our um, liaison that's really helping us take on this challenge from TDA. Um, Glenn Park's done it in the past. Last year, um, Brian Aubin this summer received a, the, you know, the highest award possible. Uh, the best of the bunch is what it's called. Oh, wow. Meaning that, you know, they give standards. And if you hit this standard, then you're bronze. This standard, you're silver. This standard, you're gold. And, and, um, and they did it last year and, and um, received an award for it. And this year, we're really taking it to the next level, working with Margot. Um, and Amy taking on the challenge of coming up with a pumpkin bread recipe that's in compliance. Um, but at Cobb Sixth Grade Center on the 1st of October, we have a local farmer who's a former NBA player that's going to be coming out and presenting to the kids during all the lunches um, about him and his journey and what it takes to be in the agriculture world. and and how it was a choice for him, you know? I mean, he left the NBA and he decided, a lot of people think farming is something that you have to be born into, right? Mm-hmm. Or something that it's a family business or it's, you know, it's it's um, it's too much of a, a blue collar job, but in reality, it's one of the most important jobs right. America, any country in the world, right. you know? And so it's, it's really gonna be exciting to see these kids. We chose sixth grade, we chose middle school for a reason. That's when kids really start thinking about their things, you know, I mean, they're planning their future later on in life, but you know, they're starting to form opinions at that age. They're really impressionable. So that's going on at Cobb um, on October 1st. And then on the 22nd, we have Margot who's coming out to Galena Park Middle School and she's going to be doing educational um, presentations on some of these local farmers and what they have to offer. I mean, we get our rice most times from a farm job right here in Beaumont. Like, how cool is that? Yeah, it is. You know, um, to be able to support local business and um, and teach these kids the importance of it. Um, so um, I have no doubt in my mind we'll get best of lunch again this year. 
gold. Yeah, gold level. yeah, at the highest level, and um, something that we're working on as well as is weekly. We are getting um, prices from local farmers to see if they are equal to or lower than the bigger competitors, and we've made a commitment to go with the local farmers. So oh, that's that it's excellent. something that we don't just focus on in October. It's something that we continue to try to do and, and support our community. You guys have really opened my eyes because, <laughs> you know, you are making connections with local farmers and local businesses. You're making connections with the kids. You're making connections with the communities, you know, through the supper program that's going to start and things like that. I mean, I'm like blown away by how far reaching, you know, the things that you do really go. Um, so the last question I have, uh, what, you know, with you, both of you being new to um, GPISD, but not necessarily new to the industry, what are some of the challenges that the department has faced in the last few months? I probably, honestly, the department having two new people like Maggie and I, um, you know, that's a big change, I think, um, that's been the past couple of months, something for them to get used to us, um, get comfortable to trust us, to know that um, we're here for them. Um, but it's a good opportunity. It is, but it's change, and we yeah. all know that it's sometimes difficult um, because some, some things weren't necessarily not done the right way. That's not what it is. It's just different. You know, it's just fresh, and uh, changes can be... Um, challenging just because of that, not because it's good or bad. It just is it's new. new. And I'm so excited for the new menu items. Absolutely. This pumpkin bread that you speak of, mm -hmm. please let me know where I can I get Absolutely. I will. Please let me know Absolutely. if I can be a taste tester. Absolutely. Because I will. I will add something to the biggest challenge I think that we face is, um, for me, outside of, outside of the change, I mean, they have the same director for 23 years, Dorinda. She was amazing. Um, Brian worked under her for a year, and he's doing a great job at leading our department. Um, most people that have worked with us are worked in our department. I mean, there's more than not 20 plus years, oh, yes. you know. And so, like Amy was saying, you know, them, you know, them getting used to our ideas and us having to build a relationship with them. I mean, trust and respect is something that you earn, right? So, so overcoming those, but. I will say we had the challenge of implementing a new computer system, a new oh, point of sale system. Yeah. Um, they were familiar with their production records, which is how they record. For those of you that don't know what production records are, it's, it's, a, it's a record of what happened that day, what was served, how many of XYZ. Um, but, you know, in a lot of these, the computer system they had before, again, they had for about 23 years. Mm -hmm. I think Dorinda brought it in when she came on board. And so um, they've all made a joke that when they get a new director, they get a new point of sale. <laughs> Brian brought in Primero. I didn't realize that. That's yeah, funny. because Brian brought in Primero Edge. And, and, you know, that was a huge challenge. And while it did have hiccups, it wasn't pretty the first day. or It got a little bit prettier every day. Um, you know, just seeing how... Um, tenaciously our lady, our managers and our team and our office staff took on the challenge. Um, don't get me wrong, we all had our hiccups and our like, let me step away moments. But overall, 
I think that that alone has helped grow a relationship and build a foundation and trust. So I'm really excited to look next year at this time and reflect on, oh my gosh, do you remember last August? Like, look at, look at where we are now because we can do it and it's only been a month. And the crazy thing is when we say point of sale, I mean, our register system, if it's not functioning right, our kids' ID numbers are not popping up and you have nothing more than a very, very frustrated, frantic, you know, nervous, nervous um, cafeteria staff member who wants to do only really one thing, smile and let them have their Great one meal at no charge. Yeah. So it, it were some times that the system was a little bit slower, but that's because until you go live, you really don't have those experiences of, of what is it going to be like. So yeah. um, they were amazing and um, got through it. And it was a, a week well well, very hard. We slept really good over that week. Yeah. <laughs> Two days, Galena uh, Park, I think, had. Is that right? Or three, three days? days. Thank goodness. Days I'm so yeah. thankful for the person who created that calendar because yeah. those three days felt like five really long yeah. days. But it was three. So yeah. It's good. Well, thank you for meeting with me today. Um, I just wanted to say also that I was inspired to do this podcast um, by my old cafeteria manager, uh, Miss Schofield over at WAMS. Uh, Ms. Schofield, I wanted to say thank you for your, um, the encouragement that you give to these kids every day. And, um, you know, you're just wonderful. So thanks.